Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. How's it going, Rangers and overall hockey fans? Thank you guys so much for chiming in for the latest episode here at Rangers Review. Myself, Wardy, alongside Statboy Steven, as we break down everything that you guys need to know and our initial reactions to the first three games for the New York Rangers and how they fare thus far in round two against the Carolina Hurricanes. This is a series that has definitely had some highs and it's definitely had some lows. But overall, a decent start for the Rangers. Not as bad as I would say as we saw in the Penguin series, but definitely things that the Rangers need to get better on if they want to make sure that they have a chance in this matchup. So far, they've lost two games to winning one. The first win was yesterday at home. The Hurricanes have yet to win a game on the road here in the playoffs. We'll see if that changes potentially in their next matchup. But a lot of breakdown in this episode 58 of Rangers Review. Steven, I'm excited for it. Always feels good to talk after Rangers win, no less. So how are you doing today? Yeah, I remember we recorded last week and we were pretty much in agreement that this is a series that the Rangers can win. Um, coming into game one, having watched them against the Bruins, I wasn't really convinced that this was the Carolina Hurricanes team we saw in the regular season. Um, and truth be told, that, that first game, game one, we're going to break it down in a couple of seconds, you know, games one, two, and three. But to quickly go through it, game one, we could have won that easily. Uh, we were just unlucky. Um, uh, Kako set up Hedl, Reeves, and Lafreniere in the first period alone with prime scoring chances. It reminded me of period one against the Penguins in game one. Yeah. The Rangers should have gotten away with at least two or three goals. Uh, if that happens, we're talking about a 2-1 lead in the series after three. But let's also not forget that we're going up against a team that won the uh, William M. Jennings trophy, the trophy given to the goalies that allowed the fewest goals in the regular season. Uh, so technically the best defense you're playing against the, against the best defense in the regular season. Rangers were the second best defense in the regular season. Um, so it's going to be tough to score goals and you can see the same thing for Carolina, Carolina struggling to score goals too. Yep. You know, it's not like they have really good chances. It's not like they they are able to skate into a zone, set up the offense, and 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 play their game. And this is the big 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 point here. The Carolina Hurricanes in three games against the Rangers have not played their own game. I honestly think they're beatable. The Hurricanes haven't won a game on the road, like you said. All you have to do is win at home and then decide it in game seven. That's that's what you would think from the trend that we've had right now, too. But let's also be wary, Stephen, of the amount of different trends that we saw in one singular matchup against the Penguins, right? You had really felt like three different series in one. So while to this point, that holds true. Exactly. Whoever has home seems like they have the best advantage. You know, we'll see again if that holds true. I'm not trying to jinx anything, knock on wood for the next game. But to how you start the conversation, you're right. Both of us went into this series with really happy for the most part, however the Rangers would do. Hoping that they wouldn't get swept at least, that they would have a competitive fight. And, I mean, outside of game two, I would say that this team has been pretty competitive. I mean, if we start off on game one in this series for the Rangers, you know, yes, they ended up losing 2-1. But let's talk about how we got here, right, and what stood out. Because 
The Rangers, they got off early. Great goal scoring was from Philip Heedle. That was early on, a little halfway through there in the first period, assisted by Alexi Lafreniere. Nice setup. Heedle has continued to thrive here in playoffs. That entire kid line. And that kid line took over the entire game in game one for the Rangers. And naturally, I saw after the game, and I can understand the frustrations of Kako's miss they had in the third period and another one too. But without Kako's efforts and that kid line effort, the Rangers don't even score the one lone goal that they had in this one. So, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, would I like to see Kako bury at least one of them to kind of put an insurance goal in there? Because just a one goal lead against the Carolina Hurricanes through two periods, it's destined to break at some point. It feels inevitable. And it felt that way because while the Rangers had the pace of play through the first two periods, which was awesome to see, especially when you go into Carolina, you know Carolina is as good as they are. They are the team that has everything to lose, but they're still going to be playing strong. They were not on their game through those first two periods. The first 40 was by no means it looking like Carolina Hurricanes hockey. Then we got to the third period and everything completely turned on its head. The Hurricanes dominated the New York Rangers in that third period. And Igor Shosturkin can only stay strong for how long? Sebastian Ajo ended up scoring the game-tying goal there late in the game with only, what, not even three minutes left. His third of the playoffs assisted by Jarvis and Tara Vinen. And then we get an OT and a damn fluky goal basically from the point shot by Ian Cole goes in. And I believe I think it hit off Lindgren. Lindgren on the way in. Yeah, hit Lindgren on the way in, and that's how it ended. I mean, this was just a game that the Rangers, they're going into Carolina. They actually catch Carolina slipping in the sense that they weren't on their game. They get off to an early lead, but it's almost like this Rangers team. It's like, yes, they were able to secure, thankfully, the lead and to keep that yesterday. But it almost feels like this team is better at times when they're down. We saw it in the Penguin series. We saw it so much during the regular season. And that's something that has carried over to a certain extent, knowing at least that when they are down by a goal or two, this is a resilient club. This is a team that you cannot count out until the very last minute or really just the whole entire wrap-up of the game. But to go over once more, the Rangers lost game one, two to one. And the entire top six, in my opinion, was completely non-existent. I mean, we saw flashes of what we saw where the Rangers faltered in those games in Pittsburgh a couple days ago, right? There was very little production that we saw from Mika's manager, Jack Kreider, et cetera. Same thing there on the second line led by Panarin. And it was frustrating because, again, how many times are you going to catch the Hurricanes off their game? Thankfully, we've seen them, I would say, fairly off for the most part. That third period, they dominated, yes. But overall, I mean, the Rangers, they do have a chance in this one, maybe more than they initially thought. Again, if we're basing things on what we have seen through the first three games, anything can change, anything can turn on its head so quick in playoffs. We learned that the easy and hard way there in round one, at least. But Igor in game one did have a decent amount of saves for the Rangers. He put up 24 saves and 26 shots. And then, yeah, the lone goal again from Philip Hedl. So they lose game one, Stephen. And do you have any final thoughts on that matchup before we get into game two? Uh, yeah, strong 40 minutes, um, unable to close it out in the final 20. Um, the Carolina really had something to prove after those 40 minutes. They came out for the third period, and once they had their foot on our th- on our throats, they didn't let go. Um, the Rangers were, were in survival mode. Every time they cleared the zone, it was only to go for a line change. They never got possession of the puck. They never were able to gain momentum back, and ultimately, the period was two minutes too long. Uh, we were very close to a shutout win in Carolina in the playoffs, which is very impressive. Um, unfortunate loss. Um, I don't want to blame Kako for the loss because, honestly, the top six is more to blame. But I don't want to blame an individual for losing a game in the playoffs. It's just you cannot, um, you know, you you cannot simplify hockey to the point where you judge a player based on one play in a 60-minute game. 
Um, yeah. But and I understand that it's frustrating to lose a game in the playoffs, but let's not forget that we're going up against the best defense in the regular season. We're going up against a top team that a team that made the conference final in 2019 when we were picking second overall, you know, this is a team Great that point. has been building, that has been making runs in the playoffs, that has been adding that experience, you know, and, and we talked about that this in a previous episode when the Rangers entered round one in, against the Penguins, the Rangers had a total experience of 593 NHL playoff games. The Pittsburgh Penguins had over 1500. Now, I haven't done the math on the Carolina Hurricanes, but the fact that they made it to the conference final, I think twice, um, they are a team with more experience. And experience isn't everything, but it is a big thing. So, unfortunate loss in game one. Um, then they go into game two, and game two was not the same game. Game two, the Carolina Hurricanes came, came, out, of, came out of the locker room ready to go. <laughs> But it was still a very closed game. And, and this is where you really see the defense shine on both sides. Um, you, you see the Rangers defense. They give up shots, but they don't give up shots from high danger areas. Like that area right in front of the net, right between the circles. That is the most dangerous spot to give, to give away, away shots on that. The Rangers didn't really give up shots from there. The only goal that they conceded, because not counting empty net goals, because you know there's no goalie in the net, but the only goal they conceded was a breakaway shorthanded by Brendan Smith. Really good finish by Brendan Smith. Unfortunate that the Rangers had their opportunities on the power play. You know they had power plays, including a four-minute power play on a double minor, I think, on Brady Shea. Um, but the Rangers were unable to capitalize. T- tough loss. Um, but I'm not as upset about that loss as I am about the game one loss because, yeah, you you lose game two and then all of a sudden it's an uphill battle. But again, you know, we're talking about the Carolina Hurricanes that have not lost at home, but more importantly, have not won on the road so far this postseason. And, and this is so where, where it comes in for the Rangers. Win your games at home and you leave it all out there for a game seven. If you can steal, if you can win at home in game four, you can steal game five, you might be able to finish it in six. But ideally, or most realistic scenario for the Rangers is win your games at home and then try to win it all in game seven. Leave it all out on the ice there. Um, but yeah, this game, uh, two nothing loss. Brandon Smith, uh, 15 minutes and 54 seconds into the second period, shorthanded um Sebastian Aho and Tevo Teravainen with the assists. And then in the third period with like two seconds to go, Sebastian Aho as his fourth of the season uh, on an empty net. Um, yeah, this was probably a good win for Carolina, not necessarily a bad loss for the Rangers. Um, and and before we go into game three, um, I want to quickly touch on Shesh Jorkin. Um, in the Penguins series in game two, at the end of the game, Jeff Carter ran into him. You remember this. Earlier in that game, there was a slew foot by Evan Rodriguez on Shostjorkin. And then he had games three and four where he was pulled. He was terrible. He's like 0.800 save percentage. I think he was below 800 for one of, one of those games. Came back in game five, elimination game, 0.906. Game six, 0.912. Game seven, 0.929 in a game seven win at home. And then so far, 
the Carolina Hurricane series, 0.923 in game one, 0.952 in game two, and the game you're going to talk about now, 0.977 in game three for Igor Shesturkin. I think Shesturkin was hurt in games three and four, and he's finally healthy. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's going to be very interesting when looking at the goaltending matchup between these two clubs because as great as Ronta has been playing, it does look like Freddie Anderson may be back sooner than later. I don't know if you saw, but it was tweeted today that Freddie Anderson was doing full practice, I believe, in uniform and everything for the he Hurricanes. He made the trip so. to New York, yes. Yeah, so that'll be interesting because it's not like Ronta's played bad hockey. No, but by all means, he's been a heavy factor into the in the into the Carolina Hurricanes' success thus far. And same thing when looking at Igor. I mean, Igor does what Igor does for the Rangers, and it's great to see Igor back in a groove of things. And you can tell that even with them being down two games to nothing, that it wasn't going to put a hindrance, especially after everything that we learned from round one, is that truly anything can happen in these playoffs. And as long as you have great goaltending help lead the way, You'll, you most certainly have a chance every time out there. Um, Steven, um, so really wasn't much more I think that needs to be said about game two. I agree. I think game one's loss hurt more. Game two, Carolina didn't play their best game, but they looked a lot more comfortable for a full 60 versus how they did in game one. And that why that is why it was so frustrating to see the Rangers lose because, again, our expectations aren't crazy high here. We're, hope, we're happy with truly whatever happens as long as hopefully the Rangers win. But especially against Carolina team, where how many te- how many times are you going to catch them off their game at home in playoffs? You know what I mean. So it's about executing when you have the opportunities given to you. Unfortunately, the Rangers didn't in Game One and then Game Two. They just didn't have enough. But Game Three, back home, first game out the Garden in Round Two, and thankfully the Rangers were starting to get up on the right foot because Carolina entered Game Three and they were looking like a better team early on. But thankfully, the Rangers got a power play, and we all know how the Rangers are with their special teams. And it looks like that they caught, again, Carolina slipping a little bit as they were able to get good reads, and that led Mika Zibanejad to sniping that one in the left dot, just getting in between, it looks like, the shoulder, um, low, below the shoulder in the armpit area of Ronta. And that gave the Rangers the early lead. That was Zibanejad's fourth of the playoffs, assisted by Panarin and Fox. Uh, power play goal there just around halfway through into the first. So great to see the Rangers get off to an early lead. and. This was a Rangers team that had a different mix of lines. You know, Gallant mixed things up pretty well, and it actually showed a good amount of success. And that's what I love, and not necessarily just about in-game adjustments, but overall adjustments heading to the next game in playoffs. You need to do something that you really feel can benefit this club and get them on the right path of things and hopefully turn things around after being down 2 nothing in a series. And Gallant did just that. I thought the lines looked very strong. It gave the Rangers more depth a little bit. And they were able to secure things as they headed into the second period. And Chris Kreider doing what Chris Kreider does has a beautiful snipe like around the net and on a tough angle shot there in the left side. Snipes one up top, top shelf off Aranta. And that's Kreider's sixth of this year's playoffs, assisted by Zvanjad and Truba. And that was not long into the second period, only like six minutes or so. And Nino Niederreiter, however, would score not much later after that, only a couple minutes later. He gets his fourth of the year in the playoffs, assisted by Stahl and Smith. And then Brendan Smith, of course, he had that game winner in the previous game against the Rangers. But then we get to the third period for the Rangers. Again, this is a very chippy game. It starts to turn, especially as we got to the end of things. But Tyler Mott, who has been an unsung hero for the Rangers, since the Rangers really have acquired him at the deadline, he's done everything but score goals for them. He's been phenomenal on the PK. He's been phenomenal five-on-five with his four-check and back-check ability. And he gets a massive empty net goal for the Rangers, and that was assisted by no one, unassisted for Mott's first of the playoffs. 
Huge story for him. Huge story for the Rangers as the Rangers, again, they got outshot 44-33 to in this one. Igor played absolutely phenomenal. As expected, had 43 saves on 44 shots. Rangers went one for two on their power play, and that ended up truly being the X factor in this one, along with the Rangers' key defense because, you know, they themselves had 17 blocks to Carolina's 10, but they also had a bunch of giveaways in this one too. The Rangers had 35 giveaways to Carolina's measly 11. So they were getting jumped on by the forecheck really well of Carolina, but thankfully Igor kept the minute. And just like that, this Rangers series feels a lot different than what it did just a couple of days ago. Yeah, and, and it was a really good game by the Rangers. You're coming back to the Garden for game three, you're down 2 nothing. You really have a point to prove because if you lose, you're down three nothing, and it's almost impossible to come back from that. I think the number of times an NHL team came back in a in a best of seven after being down three nothing, I think it's the single digits in terms of the number of times it happened. Yeah, in a, in, in in a hundred plus years of NHL hockey, so mm -hmm. it's it's it was it was vital that we won this game, and you know the Rangers started off really good. Um, and we always complain that the Rangers aren't that good in early games. You know, three was a 3.30 puck drop. Um, but, you know, uh, started off good. Score on the power play. Mika Zibanejad, great goal. Um, and he, we needed that. We needed that power play to do something for us, uh, especially after that last game. Um, and honestly, if it wasn't for uh, the Niederreiter goal, which was a really bad goal to give up by Shestjorkin, let's let's call let's call it what it is, it was a bad goal to give up. Um, if that goal doesn't happen, then we cruise to a win, and there's no tension at all in the third period. You know, you're up two goals, it's fine. But the Rangers were really good. You know, even on the penalty kill, Tyler Mott was in the box at one point for a high stick. The Rangers were able to to still kill off that penalty. That was very impressive because Mott is easily their best penalty killer. Um, I really like what I saw from this team at home, and there's like there's like this energy to it. Um, and I think Vince Marcogliano uh, was talking to Braden Schneider um, prior to the game, and he he asked what the difference was in the playoffs. And Schneider said that for Game One, he was sitting on the bench and he was looking around. And Reeve skated up to him and said, same game, only louder. And, you know, Reeves may not have a big impact on the score sheet. But, yeah, he's 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 a vital part of this team. You know, oh, the, way, the way he fires them up, the way he the way he's like a dad to these younger players, you know, he's and he, he I think he went to a cup final. With uh, with Vegas, yeah, 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 he went yeah. to a cup final with Vegas. Um, uh, if not with the Pens too, maybe he just missed with the Pens because I know that he got traded for Oscar Sundquist, but I don't remember when that was. Yeah, so he didn't win. He he left the Penguins, uh, right before they won a cup, and then he left the Blues right before they won a cup. Yeah, uh, but he made the final with Vegas. But Ryan Reeves is a player that has his value. And it's much more noticeable than with a guy like Tanner Glass in the past. Now, that's not to say that Tanner Glass didn't have a similar impact. It's just that, you know, these days with social media being very active, you can really see the impact a guy like Ryan Reeves has. And, and you know, this team, there's something special about this team. You know, Chris Kreider scoring his 30th career playoff goal as a Ranger putting him in sole possession position for second or second all time behind only Ross Gilbert with 34. 
Um, that's we're seeing stuff that we're talking. I've been saying this all season. We're watching stuff that as Ranger fans will be talking about 20 years from now. This season will be a cornerstone season in Rangers history, regardless of how far we get in the playoffs. There's so much that has happened this season. We're talking about a Vezina caliber season by our goalie. We're talking about a 50-goal season by one of our own draft picks. That has never happened before. Um, but did you know that Chris Kreider now has the second most goals all time in a single season, regular season and postseason combined with 58? Wow. Only Adam Graves in 1993-94 with 62 had more. Graves had 12 goals. Was it 12? No, 10 goals. Graves had 10 goals in the playoffs. Chris Kreider needs four more to tie Graves for that. Um, but this team, when they're clicking, they're so much fun to watch. And uh, I'm really looking forward to game four. I'm looking forward to game four as well, because while the Rangers legged this one out, thankfully, this felt like the best game that they had played, not just because they had won, but it's how they won, right? It was finally getting more of a balance outside the kid line here in game three that they were really lacking in those first game one, games one and two in Carolina. So credit once again, per usual, to Gallant for making the adjustments that he felt was best fit and for that elite to success for this team. And credit to the guys, too, for mixing things up a little bit on the wing and still getting the job done. So now the Rangers, they're going to be entering game four, too. That's going to be huge. They're going to be at home for game four, of course, before then they head back to Carolina for uh, that will be then game five. But I'm really curious how the Rangers are going to go about approaching things because you saw Gallant said post game on the type of play that we can be if Carolina wants to continue acting the way that they do with the with this sense of aggressiveness. And we saw, you know, towards the end of the game, that was Domi on Lindgren, right? Um, yeah, Domi punched Lindgren in the back. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that. That's why I was yeah. like, okay. Yeah, not the, not the nicest way to end the game. So clearly this is something that may transfer over that in the game four. Uh, he's, Domi's a meathead like his dad. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um. I did laugh at Gallant telling uh, D'Angelo to F off. That, yeah, that was fine. I will say that. Was uh, fine. D'Angelo was crying all game long, of course. Um, on the Kreider goal, he was complaining that Mika Zibanejad slashed him, but Zibanejad didn't slash him. He just lifted his stick and D'Angelo let go of his stick. Yeah. But he channeled his inner Marcus Pedersen because Marcus Pedersen was complaining to the refs when he lost his helmet mm-hmm. instead of just putting his helmet back on and continuing to play. D'Angelo should have just picked up his stick and continued to play. But no, he was too busy complaining to the refs. And yeah, um, they look a little bit rattled. And I, if, if, if Rob Grindemore wants the galaxy brain, this whole situation with their goalies, uh, be my guest. I would love to see them put Anderson in, uh, see, see them putting Anderson in net, you know, without any game time straight into the second round of the playoffs. I like our chances against either goalie anyway. And I'm yeah. not saying that the Rangers are a lock to advance to the conference final by no oh, means. No, 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 no. But I like our chances. I it, I stick with what I said before game one. This is a beatable team. The chances feel different than they did in the Penn series. You know, even the even the games that the Rangers won, more often than not, you felt like you couldn't count the Pens out. Not that you can count Carolina out either, but Maybe it's because of the lack of 
overall goal scoring we've seen thus far, and it's been a defensively minded and heavy showing based off of great goaltending between a current Ranger and a former Ranger, which I will say I would love to. I just want to take a minute to give a lot of credit to Auntie Ronta and what he's done, because obviously he's the guy that's going to get the short end of the stick. If Anderson's ready and they feel more comfortable with him, Anderson's going to go in and that's it for Ranta. But he's been a phenomenal for them thus far, as have a bunch of former Rangers. I mean, and Queen Brendan Smith, I was like, of course, Brendan was the guy to get the game winning goal the other day when he should have been kept by the Rangers over potentially getting Nemeth. So it was like mm-hmm. these things felt inevitable, but I, I don't have any ill will against this Carolina team. I love the majority of the team, you know, I with not just a bunch of former Rangers, but just such a talented club. So while this series is now getting chippy and my, my viewpoint may change emotionally based on what transpires in a game, I just want to give credit again. This has been a slow-moving yet entertaining game series overall. Game three really stood out for us Ranger fans. Hopefully that transfers over in a game to, into game four. But again, as long as they give a valiant effort, that's always important to me. If the Rangers somehow, some way do leg out and go to the ECF and their first year of out of the rebuild and into now the kind of just this playoff mentality, I'm all for it. I'll be ecstatic. But again, at this point, everything just feels like a not necessarily a pleasant surprise, but like a cherry on top, like a luxury a little bit. You know, it has yeah, a different cherry on top. It. Cherry on top is the right thing to say here. And and I, I, I refer to it as gravy. Once we yep. once we got to game seven in the first round, I said, whatever happens tonight, everything is gravy. If we lose in game seven, we were able to take a two-time Stanley Cup winning team, which a lot of those players had two rings on that team, some even three. If we would have lost, we would have taken a very experienced Stanley Cup winning pedigree team to seven games in our first playoff outing in five years. Exactly. The fact that we won game seven is even better. And now the second round, we won a game. Now I want to win another game. But so far, everything that happens from now on is just bon- it's just bonus. It's just extra. It's like it's like buying a ticket to um, uh, to a baseball game and it goes extra innings. It's free baseball. Yep, you just keep going. Yeah. I thought I'd throw in a baseball reference there for you. I, pre- I appreciate it, Steven. I would like you. I would like to let you know, Stephen. I haven't finished it yet, but I did start frequency. So okay, there, cool. There's cool. progress. I'm not done with it yet, yeah. but I have started. I did see some someone tweet yesterday that uh, the Yankees had one run in 18 innings because they played like two games in one day or something. Yeah, the Yankees had probably their worst day of the season last year. They got swept by the White Sox um, in a doubleheader. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So doubleheaders when they play the same team twice. like Yes. And that's usually because there was, say, a rain out the day prior, just something to postpone the game. And then it's a full two nine inning games back to back. There's either a half hour break in between or a couple hour break, depending on uh, what the exact times are. But yeah, it's a long day of baseball. It's fun. I was just there for a doubleheader in Philly. Uh, I want to say not even two weeks ago. Uh, the Mets uh, ended up winning that series, thankfully. Okay. Mm-hmm. But look at this baseball talk in the middle of a Rangers playoff chat. What is going yeah, on? Know, I, I thought I'd throw you a bone. You you're, know? Coming, you're coming to the dark side. Here's the thing. That bone can become a tangent really long in two seconds. So I'm I'll shut up now. The, I'm not going to support the Mets ever. Nope. You, trust me, Stephen. I'll get, I will get you on the Mets train. You don't know it now, and neither does your fiance. But trust me, it'll happen. Um, if you make me a Mets fan, ooh, she's, gonna, she's not going to be happy. I think it'll just be perfect, though. So that way you guys can at least disagree on something. You got it. Got it. Got to have something in there. <laughs> you know, you need to spice things up a little bit. Um, I True. think that definitely helps for a healthy relationship. But getting off this tangent now, 
talking about the Rangers a little bit further before we start to answer questions. Cause I don't think that there's, I think too much that really needs to be broken down on the Rangers approach going forward. And, you know, Steven, if you have any fun stats that you'd like to throw our way about this series thus far, by all means go for it. But besides that, I just want to mention once more how the Rangers now go into game four, they're down by a game. This is a game that hopefully the Rangers can leg out. Um, I did see someone in the chat though. Raphael said here in the live stream on YouTube that, over the past two times, we've recorded the Rangers lost the following game. So if that does happen, then you can blame us wholeheartedly. There's no one to blame more than here at the Rangers Review podcast should the Rangers lose uh, their next game. But if they can somehow like, like things out, they get back to even, then they go with Carolina. And, you know, Carolina as well doesn't have that. Yes, they have the home ice advantage because of the decisions versus the fans per se. But even the fan aspect, I mean, there's so many Ranger fans there. I know that they have it where a certain amount of seats only Canes fans can be. But you saw there's a there's a good amount there, especially because of the fact yeah. that a lot of people just reside in North Carolina that are from New York, that are diehard mm-hmm. Ranger fans. So the it doesn't thing, have as much of a home ice impact as maybe other opposing teams may have. The biggest thing with home ice advantage is not so much playing at home. It's not so much sitting in your own dressing room it's the fact that your coach has the last change yeah it's the fact that on face-offs you get to put your stick on the ice first it's it's small things like that and especially the last change when you know the only the only time you don't have a last change is if there's an icing but if it's a normal face-off the home team gets to put their lines out second and that's a huge advantage because that's how you create mismatches on the ice. And that's the biggest advantage of playing at home. Um, and like I said earlier, the Carolina Hurricanes haven't lost at home, but more importantly, haven't won on the road either. So I like our chances to tomorrow, game four. We can tie it up and go into Carolina for game five. I, I like, and now with Kreider and Zibanejad getting a goal, if they can, if they can play like this in Game Four and Game Five, yeah, man, I like our chances. I, I'm, I'm still not putting money on the Rangers advancing because it is such a close series. It could go either way. But if you would have told me a year ago that we would go head to head with the Carolina Hurricanes in the second round, and we'd actually be able to to keep up with them, I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah, the strides this team has made—it's unbelievable. And it's just so impressive. I cannot emphasize again how important it has been with these kids, how much they've stepped up, and how they've transferred over their play from, again, round one to round two. If it wasn't for them, the Rangers aren't in games one and two the way that they are, especially game one. And that's huge, too. I think it sparks a little bit of fire under the ass of the top six, you know, just the vets overall, and Kreider's advantage at and Panarin to make sure that they're not slacking for too long. You know, if you see young kids, this is all their first playoff experience outplaying you when you are the top dogs on the team, then naturally that says something to you right away. Like, okay, I need to be better because it, don't get, get me wrong. I'm happy that my teammates are thriving, but so should I. And I think we started to see more of that, obviously, in game three and the Rangers 3-1 victory. 
but hopefully again that transfers over for the remainder of the series because if I'm being quite honest I don't know how the remaining of the series is going to go I'm not going to sit here and predict how I think the outcome is going to be I think that's perfectly fine I mean there's no reason to believe that we know for certain how the next couple of games are going to go because no one no one and their mother would have predicted what transpired in game seven uh overall a seven game series last time against the Penguins in the first round so um Steven do you have any kind of final remarks that you'd like to make about what we've seen thus far before I say we get to some questions and wrap things up. Shashjorkin is playing like the Shashjorkin that got in Vezina votes. He, he is. And, he, and he, he isn't being thrown off the way that he was in Pittsburgh as well. You know, I don't, the Igor chants aren't the same oh. that they were in Pittsburgh. It's a big One factor point. too. Last night's game, Rangers are up 2-1. Two, two Hurricanes pulled the goalie. Truba has the puck. Yes. And he doesn't pass it to Shashjorkin. And after the at the first whistle, Shashjorkin skated up to Truba, and they were like exchanging words, and you could tell that it was about not passing the puck to Shashjorkin. He and then, was and like, then, "You son of a bitch! Then, <laughs> Give me this one he, opportunity." And and I, I think he tapped him on the ass with a stick. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's nice to see Shashjorkin in his element like that. It's it's good. Where he's where he's quite literally in a playoff round against one of the best teams in the league is up with a lead, a lot of pressure with dying minutes to seconds left. And his main focus is to get himself. Get me the puck. Get me the puck. But that shows you, I mean, he has that. We know he has that amazing ability. He's mm-hmm. not just focused on making the saves. He's always looking at the bigger picture. That's why you see yeah, him what I love. jumping down the puck. So like tape to tape to Mika yeah. or whoever into the offensive mm-hmm. zone. He does it. So what, what I love the most about, about Shashjorkin is that he's so unpredictable. When he has the puck behind the net, me as a Rangers fan who has watched Shashjorkin for the last nine years, I have no idea what he's going to do. Because he could go left, he could go right, he could circle behind the net and go for a saucer pass into the neutral zone. The opportunities are endless with this guy. When the puck is on his stick, it's anyone's guess. And this is what keeps the opponents on their toes. And that's the great thing about it. When the Penguins pulled their goalie in, I, I don't remember, I cannot remember which game it was. I think it was game five or six. Uh, or maybe it was game two. Anyway, we had a lead late. They pulled their goalie. And all Shesturkin wanted to do was get the puck. He wants to go for it because that's how confident he is. And... Um, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that he has his confidence back. He had a couple of rough games, but as I explained earlier, I think it was an injury after the Carter hit and the Rodriguez slew it. He's back on his game. A healthy locked in Igor Shosturkin is probably yeah. the most terrifying thing to face for any opposing yeah. club in the NHL. And if like they I haven't said, realized that yet, they will soon enough. Yeah. The last six games, Igor Shosturkin, 0.935 save percentage. Oof. So good. Since the second time he was scratched, that's a save percentage of six games. I'm not surprised. I'm just glad to see him. We saw him at his worst, and now we're seeing him at his best. All oh, in unison here. By the way, Brody brings up a really good point. Let me uh, let me look up the, uh, the Oh, tweet. about the fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me look it up here. Um. 
And I'd like to say, too, again, I appreciate everyone that's been chiming in here in the live show. Uh, guys, we're going to be starting to answer your questions here in a minute for 10 minutes or so before we wrap things up and just look at, you know, when are we going to be recording next and overall, how are these next couple games going to go for the Rangers? And also for people wherever you get your podcasts, if you want some comments answered, too, just try your best to check us out during our live streams here on YouTube on yeah. the Rangers Review YouTube channel. So here's what Chris Jorkin said after last night's game. I would like to thank the fans for the energy they provided. They supported me, even though I kind of let them down in that one spot, talking about the Nita Ryder goal. But energy, but that energy at MSG is always great. They're always charged up. I mean, as a fan base, reading that, how how does that not get you pumped for game four? It gets you it makes you feel absolutely electric. I mean, the Rangers again, led by Igor Shesterkin. I mean, that that feel at the Garden, it gives you chills. I'm sure it does for the players, too. And again, this is their first taste for many of them, playoff experience-wise, in the Garden. What is that feeling like versus regular season? And it's truly something special that you have to experience yourself, I think is the best way to describe it. And it's not just that. It's also the fact that these guys, even guys like Fox and Lindgren and Kako, they're coming off their first 82-game season. Yeah. You know, they, they just went through two shortened seasons to start their NHL career. And all of a sudden, you go to 82-game seasons. And the first 82-game season, you follow it up with a playoff playoff appearance. That's pretty impressive, the way some of these kids have handled themselves. And you know who, for me, the biggest surprise has been so far this playoffs? Surprise? Keandre yeah. Miller. I, I want to say I'm a little surprised, but I'm not overly just because we saw his trend upward in the second half this past season. Yes, that is true. But he is going up against guys like Malkin and is not phased at all. Yep. And the way he slammed Seth Jarvis to the ice twice in 10 seconds on both sides of the ice, once in the defensive zone, once in the offensive zone. He's he's playing with some snarl. He's playing with confidence, and you can tell. Keandre Miller on defense, Alexi Lafreniere on offense. Those have been the most uh, most positive experiences for me so far as a fan. And you gotta love it because it's the two buddies, the roommates, right? Got that little. They, um, yeah, they stayed at the same billet family uh, in their in their rookie season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's yeah. awesome. Key has been, I mean, lights out. I, he's he's been jaw dropping even with how how I think fantastic he's been with not just his neutral zone game, but his ability to back check and stay on guys. I mean, he's a big body guy, but there's a reason why he was brought up as a forward. He has really strong speed. We know his protection of the puck and just his self awareness on defense has taken things to new heights that we did not see to begin the season. And you know, especially as we got to the second half, we saw it a lot more. But for it to come, you know, full fledged and right before our eyes when it matters most. He looks like a vet out there, the same way that Laffy has looked like a vet out there. Because Laffy, while, yes, he's known as this prize first overall pick, Laffy has an aggressiveness to his game that I think that people maybe, including myself, weren't expecting that we would get to this degree no. early on. And that's it's been phenomenal to see, too. I mean, he's no slouch. He's going to tell you how it is. He's going to get in a scrum no matter who it's with. And he also has elite talent. So, I mean, just his playmaking ability, along with Keandre, is just phenomenal overall game. I mean, it's been a recipe for success for this Rangers team. That's definitely going to leave all of us positive, at least to take away a big positive out of this playoffs, regardless on the re- whatever the results may be. True. Okay. 
All right, well, let's get into some comments, shall we, before we start to wrap things up and take a look at the Rangers' history of number 58. Uh, I do see a couple, so let's do that right now. Um, would they put Goudreau if he's available uh, this series? Where would they put him? I don't know uh, what the current status of Barkley is. I do, If I'm not mistaken, I thought from what I had seen that he had like a um, fractured ankle. I don't know how accurate that is, um, but I do know that if it is something to that significance, Yes, hockey players are hockey players. All they need is like a big quarter zone shot, take that bad boy up stiff, and then they'll get back out there because playoff hockey just hits different. I, regardless on if it's good or not for their health, they're more often than not, they're going to try to get back out there. If he does come back, I don't know where he would be put on the lines. I think that's a great question. And I really think it's going to be however Gallant deems is best to make these look as balanced and as deep as possible. So, Stephen, yeah. is there a spot that you think might work best for Barclay should he return in the series? If Barkley Goudreau is healthy and no one else is injured at the same time that's currently playing, it's really you're not talking about taking on taking off your worst, you know, taking out a bad player. You're talking about putting in a better player for an already good player. Um, I don't think it's going to be Reeves. I don't think it's going to be definitely not Mott. I, I unfortunately for Kevin Rooney, I think he would be the guy that sits out. Um, a fourth line of Mott, Goudreau, Reeves would be pretty interesting to watch. And unless a guy like Vetrano sits, I think it's going to be Kevin Rooney. I think Kevin Rooney might be the odd man out too, just because Goudreau's game is not far off from Rooney's, but it's better. It has more experience, and I think that would be the best route for them. His versatility really helps you out too. Oh, yeah, him and Mott, because you can yeah. just slot Goudreau in exactly where you would normally have Rooney, for example, on the PK yeah. or whatever it may be. And then yeah. he, of course, can help on the power play should you need him. So he does have the versatility on his special teams, along with just on the lines. He can put be put in center if you need him at center, put him on the wing, be on the wing, similar to Cop in that aspect. So, yeah, I don't know if we're going to have Barkley back in this series. I, I, by all means, I'd be for it if he's ready to go. But <clears throat> right now it's a wait and see. And Again, I am happy. I am happy with the Rangers' depth. I just hope that they continue to show it, regardless of him and Sammy Blay being out. I know Blay has been skating still. I don't expect him in this series. I think if Blay does return, then our best chances would probably be in the third round if the Rangers do get to the conference finals because um, Blay missed basically the entirety of the season with a significant injury, and now we've been seeing him skating consistently. I don't think he's in contact jerseys yet, though. Um, has he been? I don't think he has, right? Yeah, so he's still in non-contact. He's been out for six months. You, you yeah. don't just stroll back into an NHL lineup for the second round of the playoffs in, in a week. Yeah, After being exactly. out for six months. We're not talking about Mott, who was out for like two weeks. That's a completely different story. So. Yeah, especially when you look at the fact that Blay, does he have the experience? Has he won a championship before? Yes. But to go from early on into the regular season to the last time he played to potentially like Eastern Conference Finals playoff hockey, that's an adjustment. So, you yeah. know, I think if the Rangers get Blay back at any point, that'd be tremendous. But that's similar to the Rangers playing in the second round to begin with, has that feeling of being a cherry on top, you know, just like adding on more positives. That but, isn't necessarily something that's needed, but it definitely doesn't hurt. If Blay is back, and again, unless Vetrano, unless they take out a top nine player in like Vetrano, it has to be Reeves that comes out for Blay in that case. Yeah, and that would probably be the most locked and loaded fourth line you could ask for with Blay, yeah. Goudreau, and Mont. That should be our fourth line next season. That should be our fourth line next season. Well, we'll talk about that over the summer. 
Yes, we will. <laughs> but okay, a couple more comments we'll get to before we get to the uh, final segment here in the show. Um, any, I think we just answered that. Any confidence will be, yeah, I don't think Blay will be back this series. Um, there's been nothing to indicate that he will at this point other than him skating in non-contact. Um, no. Of course, anything can change, but I wouldn't get my hopes up on it. If we see Blay back, I would be surprised if it was still this series. But again, I've seen crazier things happen. Um, let's see. Where do the Rangers need to improve the most? Uh, most of you guys said in the oh, chat. That's, I think that's, that's the easiest question we've ever had. Yeah, I know. It, it's it's quite literally. I mean, they just – they had it going. Wait, 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 wait. What, what James? I mean, I, you're making me say James, Stephen. It's face-offs. I know. That's what I was just going to say. Everyone made, everyone made it abundantly clear. I'm glad we're in unison, everyone. Yeah, the face-offs have once. You're telling me the New York Rangers have struggled with face-offs? Preposterous. There's I know, no I know. Way. I know this is news to you. But <laughs> let, let me let, let me let me tell you the Rangers have been struggling on face-offs, yes. Um I said this in an earlier recording. The last time the Rangers finished a full season over 50%, our current president was still the captain. There you go. Oh eight oh nine. Were you watching the Rangers in 0809? Um, I, I went to probably a game or two with my family, but I was not actively watching them at that age. So you've never seen the Rangers finish over 50% in face-offs in a full season? All, all I've known is mediocrity in that position, <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I've known I've known since the early days of watching Derek step on the top six and wondering what is going wrong here. You Brian Boyle being my unsung hero, the only guy to go like above 50 in the fourth line. Um, that that's like what I'm that's my birth into the Rangers and their face-off woes. That goes far yeah. back than even that. Um so here's my question, right? Instead of signing and trading for centers and teaching them how to win faceoffs, why don't just you get like the after, best center guru out why there? Why don't you just go after the centers that are already good at winning faceoffs? It's it's such an illogical you know, approach. It'll never happen, but we should just throw an absolute Bergeron. bag after Therese Bergeron as soon as Bergeron. he retires and have him be our coach for faceoffs. He's Maybe. exactly who I would want. Give him five million a year, but yeah, I mean, hey, you don't. People don't seem to realize how much of a difference that. The same way you saw Mika dominating the faceoff dot in Game Six and Game Seven, you see how much mm -hmm. of a difference that makes. You know, look like, at the uh, look at the Washington Capitals. They hired Michael Pekka to help them with yes. faceoff. Yes, they did. Helped them immensely. <clears throat> Rangers guy, keep taking notes on that one. You know, this is something that doesn't matter what regime you've been a fan of, like following through. This has been a universal issue in this organization for as yeah. long as I've ever known. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. One or two more before we wrap things up here. Uh, Panarin and Fox seem to like non-factors with us uh, this series. Would uh, you? I, we'd after, after, I can't even speak right now. Would us attribute that to opposing teams, D, injury or what? Frustrating knowing what they're capable of. I think it's the defense more than anything. I mean, Panarin, he struggled a bit in the Penguin series, had a lack of shooting. Thankfully, shot at where he mattered most. But I would just say the overall defense. you got to realize Carolina is just a different animal because their forwards as well can have a phenomenal neutral zone game. That's something that the Rangers were not hit with nearly to the same degree against the Penguins. Yes, the Penguins dominate at times, but the Canes are younger. They're faster. They're more vibrant. They're a lot more of them are in their peaks right now. Their career is starting to get up there, the upper echelon of things. I think the overall team defense has been that biggest factor. 
I mean, you said it yourself, Stephen. The Carolina Hurricanes, you know, top defense going this into this one. It's not going to be an easy task, even for your top players. Yeah, I do have a question for Michael. Is that a typo or are you Irish? Because Irish people say use. Why? Oh, okay. Got you. I mean, no. use is slang that's used in the U.S. as well. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, yeah. Very like, Irish thing. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, it, it makes but, me think. It make it. It makes me think perfectly of one of the best movie scenes ever in a Bronx Tale, which I'm sure your fiance knows very much of. If you don't, but they're in. They're in a bar. And it's the Italian mafia, basically. And they're matching up against a bunch of bikers. And the bikers caused them an issue originally. Um, and then they locked them in. And then the head guy's like, now yous can't leave. And then a whole brawl ensued and everything. So, yeah, no, use is a thing. It's been a okay, thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, talking about Panarin and Fox, I think Fox is – I think Fox is fine. You know, he's he's the target of their best players. Yeah, Aho is out there to neutralize Adam Fox. I think Aho is one of the most underrated players in the league. I can agree with that. I think Aho should be a finalist for the Selkie Trophy. Yeah. I'm sure he has the um, numbers to back it. Yeah. Um, Panarin, though, Panarin's issue is that look, I've seen Panarin play in the playoffs with Columbus. I've seen Panarin dominate in the playoffs. That's why I think Panarin is definitely nursing some kind of injury. I, I believe that really since the uh, Penguin series has begun. He just hasn't yeah. looked. He's not playing terrible. He just, he's just he's looking like he's overthinking a little bit. And, again, there's still a little bit of a lack of shooting, um, mm-hmm. especially where was it game? Was it game two? I think it was game two. He had no shots on goal. Yeah. So that's that's just stuff that needs to change. Regardless on what your opponent is, You it's always, in my opinion, important to pepper the goaltender at some point. When you don't do it at any point in a game, you know, that can be frustrating, especially when you're the highest paid player on this team in Panarin. You know, you're supposed to be creating offense on a game to game basis. So if we don't get that production and it drops like out of nowhere in playoffs, that is a red flag. Because, again, we've been consistently getting that even when Panarin's been at his worst. He has still been a really effective player for this team. But if you're at your worst and you can't even get a point on the board, that is, again, where we start to have our you know, slight issues. And I, they're fair criticisms, rightfully so. And. That's why I just hope that we see more of a balance with not just his top six, but overall forward group. And did not overthink things too much on the power play as well. I mean, Mika was awesome to see him score yesterday, but the same way that the Rangers couldn't score when they even had a double minor in the previous game. Just have to try to take advantage of those opportunities. And for Bredman's case, especially because he doesn't have a phenomenal back-checking game, at least when he doesn't want to, it's that much more important to make sure that you can execute and be that assist machine at, at the very least that you were during the regular season. But I think the biggest reason is that we are playing the best defense in the league. Yeah. I mean, if we go up against the Edmonton Oilers, we're scoring five, six goals a game. Yeah, we are. I don't think you're wrong there. But we're we're talking about the team. Like I said, the team that won, and I say team because I think it's a team trophy, not just a goalie trophy, the William M. Jennings trophy. They won the William M. Jennings trophy for allowing the fewest goals in the regular season. The Rangers were like two or three goals behind them. So they were we're talking about number one and two in the regular season in terms of goals allowed. It's a low-scoring series because these are the two best defensive teams on paper. Yep. Based on the numbers in the regular season, these are the two best teams defensively. Um I think I think that's more I think that's that's also a large part. That's 
sometimes hard to accept, you know, for, 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 for fans of a team, when you, when you see your team lose, it's always like, Oh, this player sucks or uh, the referees are terrible. Or, no, sometimes you lose because your opponent is playing a really good game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, look, I, I'm, I'm quite happy with where this team is right now. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I couldn't be happier. And I said it before, if they can win another game and they make and they get it to six, even if they lose four two, I mean this this is already gravy for me. This this whole second round is just extra. Okay, Steven. So next time that we record, um, I think we'll be indicative on really how next couple games go for the Rangers. Because if say they go seven games, um, I will be out of town. I'll be in North Carolina for a couple of days. I'm flying out the thirty first. So we would have to try to record maybe at some point on that 31st for the day after it should they go seven games. But if the Rangers end up say ending things in potentially six, um, then I would say if that happens, if either of them losing or winning, then maybe we can record after that uh, game six, which would be the 29th. So we don't know for certain yet. I'll let you know. And hopefully I'll let you guys know uh, for everyone that follows the pod when you get a chance, but the Rangers, we're probably not going to talk until they play at minimum three more games, you know, top mm-hmm. four. Do you want to share a prediction at all for how you think these games may go, or do you just want to kind of hold it on your own? Because I think personally I'm not going to bother predicting. I don't want to, one, jinx anything, and two, I just want to kind of feel things out with every single game. feels different than the regular season, obviously. So. Yeah. Uh, playoff series is different, but this series has all the ingredients for the teams to win their home games and it going to seven. And then that seventh, seventh game will be whether or not the Rangers can step up and break the narrative, yeah. which would be only winning at home, you know, for the Carolina yeah. to take this entire playoff. Again, all that changes if if Carolina ends up winning game four, which is going to be tomorrow. So, I mean, that changes yeah. on its head really quick. So we'll see. Um, you mean, guys will know at some point, depending on when you're listening to this. Coming back from 3-1 down is not new to this team, though. It that is certain it is not. It's it's so not new that's almost like they just did that like a week or so ago. I've right? seen them do it against the Penguins twice. I've seen them do it against the Capitals. Yep. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they do it again. But let's hope this for would, this would have to be the first time though, either ever or in a long time, that actually no 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 I, my mistake. I don't know why I was thinking for a second that the Canes weren't in the Metro. They always, they're in the Metro, but they always feel like they're out of the Metro to me. I don't know why. They're just, they, I never, think, they never were in the Atlantic Division when the Atlantic Division was still our division. I it, Yeah, it's weird. I don't know why. I think maybe it's oh, because had, the Canes had a very long stretch of like mm-hmm. not being good. And then they, yeah. of course, over the past couple of years have really taken things to new heights. But yeah. normally when you think of the Metro for a long time, at least it was, you know, the Capitals, the Penguins, and then the Flyers and the Penguins, uh, Flyers, Penguins, yeah. Capitals. And um, why do I feel like I'm blanking on one more team? Devils. Devils. Yeah. It's okay. That's, that's, it's that's okay. a decade ago, though. It's that's okay a, if you forget about them. I mean, yeah, totally, they, yeah, they hit their peak in the 2000s a decade ago already, so. Yeah, no, no, but but it was still the Atlantic Division. It was five teams, you know, Rangers, Islanders, Devils, Flyers, Penguins. It was perfect. And then Islanders, you had there the, you go. You had the Southeast with the Lightning, the Panthers, the Capitals, the Hurricanes, and the Thrashers. Yeah. And then the Northeast Division was the Bruins, the Canadians, the Sabres, the Senators, and the Maple Leafs. 
Oof, that's a whole mix. That the five the five team divisions, and that was fun. It was one through eight with the three division winners being one, two, three. I hate this whole bracket in the playoffs. I cannot stand it because I'm I'm just sick and tired of playing the same teams over and over again. Rightfully so. Yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't blame you at all. And and Chris makes a good point. You know, I want to be in the same division as the Boston Bruins. Yep. How has the NHL not figured out a way to make the New York Boston rivalry a thing in their sport? I don't, I mean, we talked about this a lot and mm-hmm. I, I, I still don't have an answer for it because it, the market, the marketing's there, but they do it. I feel like they still do it at wrong times, especially like they focus on the Thanksgiving game. Okay. I get that, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like there needs to be more like either Friday or Saturday night matchups I'm, I'm, either never, garden for those. Teams. I'm never upset if we lose to the Bruins because it doesn't feel like a rivalry to me. It's not a rivalry. It should, though, the same way that the Yankees and the Red yeah, Sox like, are the most like, prominent rivalry like, ooh, in all baseball. Like, ooh, original six rivalry. Even, even the Celtics and the Knicks have a strong rivalry. The Celtics and Brooklyn have a decent rivalry. Like, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Well, okay, Stephen, this is episode 58, which means we're going to go over briefly the Rangers' history of that jersey number of 58. And is there anyone that you think like I for certain should know of off the top of my head? There's one that's pretty recent that you might know. There's two in total. Uh, what was the first year of the uh, last guy? Uh, 2018-19. Okay. Uh, I thought of someone, but I think he's 59. Oh, wait, no, he's 51. I'm thinking of David Dayarnay. It's not him. Yeah. I think we discussed him already. Um, is this a defenseman? Uh, it's a defenseman who scored 20 goals in the AHL in a season. Oh. We had him 2018-2019. Yeah. He, uh, we, well, he was drafted by the Calgary Flames. Calgary didn't offer him a contract, and then the Rangers signed him. Signed him for two years. Uh, oh, I think I got it. Is it is it Gilmore? John Gilmore? John Gilmore. There you yeah, go. Yeah, I remember him. The high flyer. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I don't know where he's been. Last time I re- last time I remember him, he was with Buffalo. Uh, he was with the Sabers in 2019-2020. Also wore number 58 for them. Let's see. I'll quickly check it. The second one was 2013, by the way. See if you can get that one. Um, John Gilmore plays for CSKA Moscow in the KHL. Okay. Makes sense. He, his two, his two way game was never anything fantastic. He was no. very offensively gifted. Taylor made for the KHL, to be honest. Yep. And the other guy was in 2013. Yep. Second round pick by the Rangers. Defense or offense? Offense. Right winger. Actually played with Vitali Kravtsov in Russia recently. Oh. For Traktor Chelyabinsk. Mm, this one might be the stumper for me. Now plays in Switzerland for Bern. Mm. Give me one more hint, and then that's it. His last name is also a first name. So you could... Uh, like George Michael. Like like George Michael? Like George Michael. Your last name is also a first name. It's mm. the same with the player. You I could swap like I, names and it would still work. I feel like I should I should know this and it's gonna bother me. 
I don't I don't got it. Who is it? Christian Thomas. Christian Thomas? I have very little recollection of that man. I gotta be honest. I well, gotta look he, him up. I'll look him he up. Played, that... He played one game for the Rangers. Oh well that there you go. <laughs> oh my god. You could have clarified that at least in the beginning. My goodness, making me out here feeling like a dummy more than I already am. February twenty third, twenty thirteen, at seven PM at the Bell Center. <laughs> Christian, Christian Thomas. Thomas. Christian Thomas made his NHL debut. And in a total of 12 minutes and 46 seconds, he had nothing. Two shots, that's it. No goals, no assists, no points, no plus minus, no penalty minutes. Two shots, that's it. This man really thought he was getting ice time when John Tortorello's coaching? You thought wrong. (laughs) Uh, He then went to the Montreal Canadiens, played 25 games for them. Then one more game for the Arizona Coyotes before he made his way to Sweden where he played for Rögle, which is the team that Adam Edstrom played for last season. Before making his way to Russia to join Vitaly Kravtsov at Taktur Chelyabinsk. Then moved to Bern in Switzerland, then to Finland for Kuku, the team that Levi Altonen plays for. He played with that prospect as well. So he's like the Rangers prospect whisperer. <laughs> uh, he's like if I, you were a player, Stephen. If I were. Oh, dude. If so, if I was a player, I'd be Christian Thomas. That I'm going to start calling you Christian now. Yes. Um, and then this past season, he started in the KHL with Barry's North Sultan, and then he finished the season in Switzerland with Baron again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that that was interesting. Again, another day, a pod with you where I learned something new. So even though that it was shame That's on me goal. for not knowing much of Christian Thomas, now That's I do. The goal. That's the goal, yeah. man. The goal is to teach goal. you something new, to teach you about the the obscure history of the Rangers. That's that's the fun part. A hundred percent. Well, I think that's a great way of ending this, folks. So again, I hope you guys enjoy. This is Rangers Review episode fifty eight. We'll be back sometime soon, hopefully. Um, maybe if if it goes a six game series, we'll try to be back the twenty ninth. If mm-hmm. not, then we'll try as soon as we possibly can. Basically, whenever the series gets wrapped up. I have, I have up, one but... more thing I want to share. And what is that up. that you want to share, Stephen? If I'm Chris Drury, my number one priority to re-sign would be Tyler Mott, not Andrew Kopp. I know. And we'll talk more about that when we get to the summer because it's going to be plenty of that talk. And while I want Andrew Kopp probably more than anyone, I really, really want Tyler Mott back too. So I That empty net goal was gorgeous. That was probably the best empty net goal. I mean, the yeah. feeling though, just everything. I love going... how slowly it trickled into the net. Like and this, no like... one deserves it more than him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, perfect. All right, well, thank you again, folks. This is Rangers Review 58. We'll be back again over the next week or so. I hope the Rangers play some great hockey. I know you hope the same. But until we speak again, have a great rest of your week, everyone. And, Stephen, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.